I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence, and I'm joined, not for the first time, by Matthew Williamson, who is the Vice President of Global Financial Services for Mobiquity. Let's nail some numbers to the mast first. The open banking market is expected to grow at a compound annual growth rate of 13.6% over the next six years, and the total number of online and mobile banking users is forecast to exceed 3.6 billion by 2024. That's the background. And against that background, Mobiquity has launched a global digital banking playbook. What's in the book? If we flip into first why we did it, Robin, which was you just highlighted some fantastic figures there. And the reality is everything's accelerating. It's not slowing down. In fact, the the rapid pace of change is just moving further and further. So recognizing this on a global scale, we decided we need to share the secret sauce with everyone and we need to make sure that people start their journey. So we created seven steps to share with everyone to say, this is how you can either start your digital journey, accelerate your digital journey, or even, you know, refresh and evolve your digital journey. But the key element is you need to start looking at it now if you haven't already, and you need to do something about it. And what happens if you don't? I know what the answer is going to be, I think. Yeah, I think we're recognising, right, that everyone's getting involved. And if you don't evolve and adapt, you're going to be left behind or worse, be consumed or become irrelevant. I'll give you an example currently. I'm talking with uh, some senior people in Mexico and we talk about, you know, millennials are always early adopters and going down that digital route. Um, whereas in Mexico, you know, we'll classify people as the over 60s is generally a, a harder market to, to target and push towards digital. Now, with the, the pandemic, what's actually happened is the growth rate has accelerated in over 60s going digital than the, you know, the millennials. And it's based on Uber Eats, ironically. You know, the, the requirement to get access to food easily and conveniently and not have to go, have suddenly pushed people into their first you know, four into digital. And they found it's really easy if it's done well and intuitively. And suddenly they've gone from not being digital at all and relying on call centers to being able to order their food, get things they want conveniently, easily. And now they're turning back to their banking services and saying, if I can do this just to get food, why can't? Why do I have to ring somewhere? Why do I have to turn up at a physical branch in the middle of a pandemic in order to you know, to fulfil my financial requirements? You need to do better. It's it's as simple as that. It's interesting that you cite that kind of example because we talk a lot about digital banking. I talk to lots of people about digital banking, and it's this API, that app. But the point is, and it comes down to this bottom line. It's about changing the culture first or changing the expectation of the culture. Completely. If you don't understand your customer, it's a traditional concept, right? Of understand your customer, know your customer, give them the service they want. But, you know, if you look at the Henry Ford version of that, of know your customer, it would be give them a faster horse, right? Therefore, there's, you know, there's no need for the car. So what we're finding and where we're looking at globally is what is it your customers want? And the reality is what they really want more than anything is a user experience that works for them. You know, it's easy, it's intuitive. I don't have to work out what I want to do. It just presents itself. So if we give an option from a retail banking perspective of the bank knows who you are, right? They have all the data, have they joined up the dots? So when you go online to your app, why isn't it saying to you, do you know what? You pre-qualify for this loan based on your current circumstance, wherever you are in your, your lifestyle, here, let's make it easy or let's consolidate your insurance groups. We've reached out to all of our infrastructure buyer open banking. We've reached out to various partners that we can work with and give you the best service because guess what? We know you. This is something banks haven't done before. They've always had 
this kind of data because of the relationship they have with a customer, but they haven't thought of it, they haven't used it, they haven't leveraged it. And the people they're competing with now are not other banks. The people they're competing with in, in terms of customer experience are, as you say, Uber Eats, Amazon, and online retailers. And they've got to get that mindset right. But what's what's the next step? You, if they recognize they, they need to get the mindset right and they need to get the customer offer right, how do you get there from here? You get to that point by starting the journey. And I know that sounds really cliche, but you've got to be brutally honest with yourself about where you are in that journey. And not, you know, I've, I've been on the banking side, so I can say this from a place of experience where you're not high-fiving each other because you did something cool with tech that actually didn't mean anything to the customer. You know, they weren't impacted positively or negatively either way. You need to look at it, you know, what is the outcome from our customer perspective? You know, 10 years from now, what are our customers going to want? And then map it back from there. You know, if we look, you know, I'll, I'll give you a point at the moment. HSBC this year have announced that they're going to close up to 82 branches because customers are turning to digital. Now, that's good because you know, they're recognizing they can do that. But equally, you still have to be able to serve your customers physically because there will be groups and pockets that don't want to go on their phone or they don't have access to the infrastructure like broadband, for example. So then you're suddenly getting into things around you have to evolve into offering both services. For everyone that wants to be digital only, there's your option. For those that want a variance between the two, there's a hybrid. And I think we see the, I call it a, a marketplace or a communal area, you know, almost a we work of financial services where you go to an area within your community that has shops, coffee house, whatever it is. And while you're there, you do your banking services. You know, it, it's a it's physical a, representation of open banking, what you've just described. Exactly. You don't necessarily need the branch, you need the service. And, and let's say, you know, let's fast forward five years where three banks or four come together and recognize, actually, we don't all need premises individually to service our customers. Let's create a hub where our customers can come together and get services from us in one place and grab a coffee or they're shopping or, or socialize, whatever it is, you know, a true digital lifestyle but with a physical touch point. I can see that being a cultural hurdle that some banks are going to need to take a big run up at. Tech is irrelevant is the wrong word. Tech is good. Tech is cool. Tech does great things and enables us. But if you don't understand and culturally change internally and you use traditional metrics to measure success, then that's your barrier. The tech is irrelevant. It's the internal barrier of how do we reinvent ourselves to remain relevant. And if we look at banking as a whole, the back office of a bank is irrelevant to the customer. They don't care if your offering in the back office is more sophisticated than your competitor because they don't see it, they don't touch it, they don't have an understanding or a rationale to have an understanding of that because can I see my bank balance? Can I achieve my financial goals? If the answer is no to those, then that's the problem. So banks need to you know, utilize the back office and then work on the front office through partners, collaboration, to offer the best service across their customer segmentation. You know, we, we need to get people at the right point. If you get graduates in the old ways, you'd offer a grad scheme where you help them with you know, uh, loans to get through university, et cetera. Then the next stage would be the first job, a mortgage potentially, you know, children, whatever it is. You need to make sure you're tapping in to your customer base at every relevant point and recognizing that the digital shift is here and you've got to address that because it's not going to go away. We're not going to go back to a pre-pandemic life. 
Okay, let's get it under the bonnet of what's in the playbook. You mentioned seven steps. What are the seven steps? So the seven steps, really, and I don't want to go into exact. I really want people to go and, and read and download the, the playbook, which is free, I'll add, um, and is available on our website under our insights umbrella. But the reality is you need to build your vision and understand it. You need to evaluate that business model, again, as I mentioned earlier, not under the traditional metrics, but more about a longer-term view. Explore your offerings and, again, be brutally honest about are they relevant? Are they salient now versus years gone by? Look at how you extend your core offerings out to the market. Is it through partnership? Is it through collaboration? Make sure you are engaging in the external cultural behavioral shift and internal behavioral shift. You have to change. If you don't change, we've seen historically companies, Nokia for to name one, if you don't shift your culture and understand the market, you can become obsolete. So you need to launch your digital experience, but but make sure you're measuring it appropriately. Does this resonate with your marketplace? Because if it doesn't, Okay. The great thing about digital is you can revise it quite quickly. It's really important that you understand that. And then, you, as I just mentioned, I've covered it there, measuring and refining as needed. You can make tweaks, you can adjust. When you're not bound by legacy tech, suddenly making changes and adapting to your market needs is a lot easier. Is it going to be easy for institutions to let go of that legacy, though? Being realistic, no. Change is hard. But the reality is change is the only constant that we have. And the sooner you you recognize it, understand your own capabilities or lack thereof and address them, that's where innovation comes from. That's the sweet spot. We need banks in order to help financially survive and, and operate. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we need banks in the traditional way. We need banking services and banks need to understand that their their role is going to shift. And the ones that embrace that are the ones that will actually dominate and take over. You're almost describing a bank as an enabler. 100%. If we look at big tech, I'll use big tech as one example, and then I'll shift to another one. So we're seeing more and more that, you know, I predicted five years ago that Apple would become a bank in some capacity. Although they haven't done that exactly, you know, they moved into payments as a start. You're seeing Amazon Go is another example. And I think about three years ago, if I recall, they worked with Amazon Sorry, JP Morgan and Amazon came together to offer services to students. So you're seeing that encroachment into financial offerings without the necessity to be a bank. I think that's the key requirement there and the the differentiator. You don't have to be a bank to offer financial services. Where we come in and where the big tech can come together is, you know, they're a digital enabler to remove frictions that currently exist. They're not bound by traditional infrastructure, legacy thinking, et cetera. Let's round up. You've touched on this in, at a number of points, but let's round up. We, we talked quite a lot about cultural change. What about operational change? What's going to happen in terms of the actual operations of, of a banking entity? Operationally, it's the same challenge as it, as it has always been, which is you know, remove friction points. You know, why is there a 20-step process when three will do? It's about you know working with the right partners, and I think that's key. And we're seeing that shift in banking to move from we understand all the tech, it's all in house, to actually let's partner with key people, key elements that can enable us to shift forward. So you, you could leverage someone like Mambu, for example, for core banking in the cloud, and they can help you migrate across. And suddenly you're more nimble and agile and able to connect with other parties to offer better services to your customers, for example. That's really where banking needs to go. It's easy for me to sit here and say this, 
But if we look at cloud services, five, six years ago, banks wouldn't go near it or they put non-critical, you know, non-mission critical application or services into the cloud. Now you're seeing you know, every other week there's an announcement from AWS or Azure or even Google Cloud that they have signed a large bank or a large financial institution to migrate all their core services into the cloud. So we are seeing the shift, but as always, there has to be the first mover and then everyone else will follow. Matthew Williamson of Mobiquity, thank you very much.